0: Hi, I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to the Triage Podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of
0: the Triage. I'm your co-host, Natalie. And I'm Christy. And Rachna is studying for her exams right now, so she will be back in a bit, but yeah, we just wanted to say that she will be not in this episode, but we wish her luck. Yeah, we're thinking about her and how she's going to kick butt on
1: her exam Mm -hmm. this month, and so this week, um, we're bringing you another really important episode. All of our episodes, as you know, are rooted in um, different health issues that affect our society, and today we're going to talk about racism being a public health issue. And um, we actually took a bit of a break from the past few weeks in light of everything going on in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement. So if you don't know, if you, basically, if you live under a rock, um, the Black Lives Matter movement has been getting the incredible news coverage that it deserves. It's actually been an organization since 2013. In light of recent events, we wanted to... Take a step back and use our platform to highlight incredible black creators um, on our Instagram. And we are really, in, we really work closely with a lot of different podcasters, and we wanted to highlight their work as well. And the reason um, the Black Lives Matter movement is getting a lot of coverage right now and racism in so many different spheres, entertainment, um, healthcare. Different areas of life, fashion, um, everything—honestly, under the sun. The reason why it's becoming more of a conversation, and again, a conversation that should have been started a long time ago, is because on May 25th, uh, George Floyd was murdered by a Minnesota police officer over an alleged $20 bill, um, alleged $20 bill, a fraud $20 bill, which is absolutely unacceptable. This man lost his life um, to a senseless acts of violence and hate, and it sparked a, it sparked just an entire revolution, essentially. Um, these have been, this has been an ongoing conversation for over 300 years, 400 years, and it just hit the breaking point of people are tired. People are tired of senseless violence, acts of racism, acts of hatred. And that is why we wanted to use our platform to highlight why racism is a public health issue, because it affects the health of millions of black Americans in this country, millions of indigenous folks in this country, and millions of non-black people of color
0: in this country as well. Exactly. And, um, Right now, as we're speaking, we are two white women. Um, So we, in this episode and in our past episodes, um, we just wanna come from that place of, we're acknowledging our privilege there and we are explaining what is going on right now, um, but we're not speaking on behalf of the black community in the United States or the indigenous community and our plan is to pass on the mic to other people and highlight other people in this space um, but um, we this is meant to be more of an educational tool for for white people and for non-black people of color listeners because there could be people out there who are interested in following a career in healthcare or are interested in healthcare and aren't acknowledging um, The fact that they need to be anti racist in this sphere. So, we're just using this is what this episode is about. We don't ever want to speak for anyone else. We just want to make sure that we are doing our job in um, educating others who identify as we identify, um, in making sure that we're thinking about race when we're thinking about healthcare because no one should be working in healthcare if they are racist.
1: Yeah. No, I honestly completely agree, and I don't even think it should be a talking point, a debating Mm -hmm. topic. Nope. Um, People will die (laughs) if you are not going to treat them the same way you treat everybody else. Um, So many people have lost their lives to negligence um, of healthcare workers because of the color of their skin, because of the way that they identify, we're, going to, we're actually going to talk, um, in our health policy update, we're going to talk about the recent um, rollbacks on care for the transgender um, community, which is just absolutely appalling as well. And we extend yeah. our support um, to the LGBTQI plus community, especially in terms of Pride Month. Um, this is supposed to be time to celebrate the beautiful community, and it's really upsetting that... Mm -hmm. instead we have to figure out how to navigate this new system that again is rooted in hatred and the absence of love and also too um, I wanted to highlight that education is an ongoing process that's something that I picked up in college uh, a a mentality I guess you could say that I picked up in college we are never going to be perfect and I know a lot of people um, have hesitated in speaking out In supporting the black lives matter movement in in wanting to talk about defunding police and wanting to talk about ending police brutality and there's no perfect way there's no perfect way to talk about this and it's just sparking that conversation because we may have followers that aren't haven't been exposed to to these top to these topics yet so we're doing our role in introducing this Mm -hmm. and it's a responsibility honestly that I feel every creator has on these platforms, whether it be Instagram, YouTube, I agree, a podcasting platform, um, Facebook. It's, you have a following, you have people who listen to you and trust you. Then it's your role to use your voice for good. Because again, this isn't a political issue. This is a human rights issue. So, that's a, just a bit of our introduction and we wanted to um uh, we wanted to dive into a little bit and talk about um kind of where this all stems from, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, before we do that, let's talk about ways that you could support the Black Lives Matter movement. So I guess that was just a bit of an what was upcoming. Um there's petitions you could sign. Christy, how long do you think it takes you to sign a petition?
0: No time at all. Like Especially if you're seconds. already logged in to let's say change.org. Don't donate your money to change.org to no. sign petitions. Yeah. Um it is easy. Yeah. It's and you know, and of course that is not where it ends. No. And we will go into that, but you know, sign a petition and share it. But don't think that just signing a petition and being like, Oh, this only took five minutes, like dismantling racism does not only take five minutes and you need to go beyond that but anyway
1: yeah absolutely no I <laughs> does not take long yeah um donating if you are able and you know mm-hmm. what there's all there's actually different ways that you could donate and I know yes. it sounds interesting so let me explain um there are so many different <laughs> co-fundmes for people who have been directly affected by police brutality to organizations that work to dismantle um racism within our society and there's also youtube videos that we'll link in the description that they have ads. So if you disable your ad blocker and you leave it on the background of your com- computer, maybe while you're doing some some cleaning of your house or your apartment, um, maybe even when you go to sleep, I've seen some people do it, the ads will run and all of the money will go towards supporting organizations that support the Black Lives Matter movement and also just yes. supporting um, the human rights of black the black community. So that's another way that honestly you can donate without spending a dime is just letting the ads run. Protesting again yeah. if you're
0: able. Um Christy, you want to talk about some of the amazing protesters that you've seen? Yeah, so uh I live in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of Washington D.C. And of course in our episodes, we talk about the importance of social distancing and making sure that we're being safe with the other pandemic that's going on, which is COVID-19. On top of the uh, pandemic of racism in our world and in our country, but for protest for last weekend, I I thought it was just more important in that moment to still stay safe, wear a mask, and stay a little distant, but and go out and show my support for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, for the people in my community, my friends, um, everyone who just deserves to be treated as a human. And um, since I, I am outside of Washington, D.C., I went to the Black Lives Matter Plaza um, on 16th Street, and it's uh, right in front of, the front of the White House, and the fence just got further and further back from um. the White House, so you couldn't even go anywhere near the White House, which is just interesting yeah. um, and not surprising. But the most important thing that I think I saw at that protest and what made me emotional, the friends I was with emotional, was that there were a bunch of people, a bunch of healthcare workers in white coats protesting. Oh my God, I'm getting chills thinking about it. But, you know, a lot of naysayers and honestly racists who are saying that you shouldn't be going out and protesting um, and that it's despicable to be doing that during a pandemic. There are healthcare workers who are on the front lines of that pandemic and they are showing their support for the protests because they understand that racism Affects people in that same way, and like we said in our past episodes, and like we'll say we will say today, the Black community in the United States is most affected by COVID-19. So showing your support for Black Lives Matter is also showing your support to end COVID-19 and end the deaths there because both are intertwined, ridiculously. Um, So yeah, just wanted to say that as we're you know we are talking about healthcare and this um it's just important to say that you know you may think you know everything but if healthcare workers are also supporting this movement then absolutely it just says a lot just says a lot
1: no absolutely i've seen so many uh protesters wearing masks i know that's been a big topic of debate um there was a protest in my town people wearing masks
0: um someone at sorry one more thing that not was funny but someone was speaking and they were amazing and they were like all right let's all hold hands and every single person was like no no no, holding hands <laughs> yeah. at the protest which is sad because I went to a Black Lives Matter protest in 2016 and that was what was so amazing it was a very small group um and I can go into that a little bit more about like why it's important as white people to attend and just listen to people and you mm-hmm. may feel scared because you think you are impeding on people and their and what they're saying but you being there and listening is so important you don't always have to be speaking listen to people and how they experience life but we held hands and it was so amazing and so I'm sad we aren't able to do that right now and act as humans but it was just funny how everyone was like no no holding hands like absolutely not and every single one person was wearing a mask so people are
1: aware People are definitely aware. Exactly. And honestly, I've seen people at the beach. I've seen people. I mean, I know you've seen people walking around in DC when mm-hmm. you go up. Um, when you go up to DC, like it's people are not wearing masks in their day to day. So they, I don't think it's right for the same people to talk about protesters yes. when this is an issue that simply can't wait anymore. It's a conversation that mm-hmm. should have been had a long time ago, and it it just can't yes. wait. It can't wait for nope. COVID-19 to end we've talked about this in the past unfortunately we don't have an end date for COVID we it could be going on it could honestly become like the flu and it could be something that affects us once a year at the same time mm-hmm. we, we honestly don't know how this is going to end so why there's absolutely no reason to wait um, to get to and, and speaking about conversations something that's extremely helpful that you could do is starting a conversation in your home or starting a conversation in your friend group because it is the mm-hmm. small microaggressions. And again, I say small. It's really not small because it is affecting a human life. But it is the mm-hmm. what seems to be minuscule microaggressions. It adds, it adds up. And it leads to people not caring about the big things because it leads just to accepting, normalizing, internalizing this awful thing that is racism so mm-hmm. doing your part by dismantling those starting at the home and you know what people if you work, it's again it oh something that's also very important uh it is not a black person's job to educate you if you are yeah. not if you are an, if you identify as a non-black uh, person of color or a white person to educate you about this there is a Google, no. Google.com exists. <laughs> um, there are so many resources on the internet, and we'll link some as well in our description um, about yeah. anti-racist education. Anti-racism yeah. again is an ongoing practice. It is something that has been that has I've benefited from racist structures put in place by our presi- in our society because it is within our healthcare system. It is within the, the college system that christy and i attended together mm-hmm. it is in every aspect of life so yeah
0: definitely and yeah on that point about not um expecting the black community in your life to educate you if you are consuming um the emotional labor of the black community online, whether you follow people who are posting helpful graphics, are creating art, are sharing their stories and educational materials online for free. Um, if you can, that's another place where you can donate and directly impact the cause that these people have been fighting for for a long time. These, this community has not just started posting graphics. They have not just started posting stories. They've been doing it for a while. Um, they are just finally getting time that I hope continues and sustains. And it's all of yes. our jobs to ensure that it still is ongoing forever from this point, but something that you can do is donate to these amazing people who are putting together, um, putting together these educational resources for all of us to share in beautiful ways online. Like Rachel Cargill, for example, um, is a huge voice and huge educator of the people, um, she doesn't do it through like a university or anything. Um, she just does it through what she puts out online and what she puts out through text and speaking engagements. And so if you can, she, people like her have Cash App. They have Venmo and have PayPal in their bios and in their posts. That's something that you can do is, is say thank you through money yeah, to them for, for putting that emotional labor in um, to educate us. And, yeah, I just think that's important, too, and it's another way to make sure you're contributing. Yeah, and,
1: like, going along with um, one more fact about donating, like, Black Lives Matter, it may have, like, gained traction through the hashtag because that is how um, the the organization was communicating and connecting um, current events to their organization, but it is not just a hashtag, and it is not something that's going to... Once that trend on Mm -hmm. Twitter... is taken over by other things um it's still it's not a trend it is an ongoing movement and it is um it's not a it's not a sprint it's a marathon so if you're able um finding an organization that you're really passionate about and becoming a monthly donor and it could be five dollars like really really goes a long way because unfortunately once you know this traction is the media is just always changing they're always changing what they're highlighting and it's not always positive Mm -hmm. things. So once this, you know, runs out of its media cycle, people are going to stop donating. Unfortunately, people are going to stop talking about this. So, you know, take mental health breaks, prioritize, you know, prioritize your mental health. It is so, um, it is so draining learning about this all at once, but we also have to remember our black, um, community members who have experienced this every single day of their life. So Mm
0: -hmm. we're doing this
1: for humanity
0: and we're doing this for our black community. Our job to make sure that it continues to be a conversation. Exactly. White people who control the media. It's white people who control curriculum. And hopefully, I mean, I think we are making strides to after all of this, I really hope that that changes. But it's our job to make sure that that happens. So if you're out there and you are white um, and this is speaking as a white person to you, it is our job to make sure that this is a continued conversation. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
1: Write to your congressional officials and your state officials and your local officials. Write to educators. Somebody that um, I work with, is she hired an anti-racist educator to look over a set of proposals that she created with her friend um, for their high, their high school that they graduated from because they want to propose an anti a thorough anti-racist curriculum. Mm-hmm. Not just That's great. reading a book here or there, like a very thorough anti-racist curriculum because it is the job of schools to dismantle these harmful exactly. ideolo- ideologies and practices that people become a part of without... I would say at a young age without realizing it, and then there is a time when that responsibility shifts to you to become yes. aware of your privileges, to become aware of the systems that you are part of because you are affected by them. Whether that be positive or negative, you are affected by them. And it is our role, again, exactly what Christy said, um, it is our role to make sure that this conversation does not stop and it does. It just keeps going until yes. <laughs> until hu- people's human rights are honored. Like It's like so frustrating because... It's so unbelievable that well, I guess that's me as a white person speaking for my privilege, but it's just so unbelievable that we have to continue to have this conversation, but
0: yeah, and like going on about the conversation and spreading information, like I feel, and this is again speaking as a white woman, and I'm not trying to talk about other white women in a demeaning way because I feel like I am. I can't, like, make fun of something that I am. You know what I mean? Like, it's not my... I don't know how to say this the right way, but...
1: We've benefited from it, but... We
0: benefit from it. Um, But a lot of white women, especially creators and bloggers, like, post... Lately have been posting, like, spread love, like, everyone is human as their, like, stance on the Black Lives Matter movement and about the human rights crisis we have which, like, I understand where people are coming from, and I'm someone like that, too. I'm always like, yes, I love in my life, we're all human, but right now it's like that's not really helping no. because not everyone is treated as human right now, and you instead of being like, let's all, we're all human, let's spread love, like, love has not helped, and saying these things has not helped, stop this. Like, you know, like right. you have take, to take concrete actually actions. take exactly take concrete actions and understand that like most of this country and the world has not been built on love and spreading love it's been built on revolution and yeah so yeah
1: that's another thing that's very frustrating um the demonizing of the looters um the demonizing Mm -hmm. of the protesters when meanwhile um so many instances of defacing and vandalizing like vandalizing have been not people participating in the protests they have just been people coming coming in from the physical the physical like community of like wherever the city or wherever um the protest is happening so that's been very confusing um but exactly what christy said this country was literally founded on a revolution so i don't know why people who are like Obsessed with like, uh, like the Revolutionary War and all that, uh, all those types of um, interests are suddenly so against um, that same mentality of we are not going to just be complicit anymore, and we have a voice. So that's very, uh, definitely very confusing. And the last way I would say to help is to shop black, which means to support black. Um, small black owned businesses. Um, and I think that probably, we'll probably be able to find a master link that I could also, uh, throw in the description as well. Um, so I know I recently purchased some books from a black owned bookstore. Um, I believe the name I think is semicolon. There are so many wonderful bookstores. There are home decor stores there are honestly any store you can think of just you know research 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 um i know i, re- I want to paint my room and i think it's claire.org i'm going to actually look it up right now or claire no claire.com let me take a look claire.com okay it is a black owned paint store and they have the most beautiful shades um for your room or for your house, for your, to paint. I don't know why I could not <laughs> uh, articulate that, but they have incredible paint for your house. And I know there's this robin's egg blue that looks beautiful that I think I'm going to um, <laughs> look into. And it's water-based paint. It's very um, healthy for you. It's they don't. It doesn't release any harmful toxins. So shop black, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like, there's so many different ways um, to support your community. So, um, and again, it's it's something that you have to make the conscious decision to do. You have to make the conscious mm-hmm. decision to shop black, to start conversations until it is not, con- until it becomes so
0: accustomed to yep. who you are. And, and we'll get into why because some of you out there may be like, hmm, why are there not any black-owned businesses in my area? Why can't I? walk somewhere that is black owned or easily find one and that goes into things that we're getting into you know our new series about social determinants of health and and really how racism affects health yeah but we will get into redlining and housing and the economic impacts of racism but think about that like as you're looking at where there are black owned businesses around you like think about why are you not around them why, like, why do you have to order how online? Can you ch- why yes. can't you like, just
1: go up the street and find, like, why are they so spread out? Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
0: So just, you know, that that comes with the ongoing education. Like, think critically about everything. And you should always be doing that. But honestly, everything that you do every single day, think critically about how other people would be experiencing this or why like let's say why don't you have friends who are black like you have to think of these things and that is how this will be dismantled is when we are thinking about other people and how our success sometimes contributes to other people's um harm mm-hmm. so.
1: absolutely absolutely and speaking of social uh, determinants of health Let's explain what that is. Uh, Christy and I mm-hmm. studied healthcare in different capacities. Well, I studied public health and Christy studied healthcare. Those two work really hands-in-hand. Um, public health, I would say, is, I always describe it as everything before healthcare. So your physical environment, um, yep. exercising, prevention, um, eating healthy, ac- accessibility to healthy foods. And then healthcare, we all know, is treatment for different... Um, diseases and ailments and ongoing issues within the body or the mind. So those kind of really are hands in hand. Honestly, you can't have one without the other. I'm a, I know a lot of people, um, will say we'll be very pro public health. And then why do we need, why do we need medicine? Well, there's a million reasons why we need medicine. So <laughs> I honestly like if you're, if they're thinking on the more natural root of things I'm um, trying to explain. So, they work hand-in-hand. Hand. So, Christy and I are very familiar with the social determinants of health. And just to list them really quickly, economic stability, neighborhood and physical environment, education, food, community, and healthcare. So, these are six uh, pillars of life that affect your health. So, social determinants of health. And something that we want to emphasize is that People of different races, genders, sexualities, abilities, and socioeconomic statuses um, are all connected in terms of the system, of our system of life was created to benefit people that do not identify within mm-hmm. different, like within these different communities. The system was created to benefit white property-owning men and white women, even though they were oppressed in their own way and people who do and identify still as women exactly. in some exactly, way yeah exactly. like we don't
0: we don't want to say yeah, that we will get into that later yeah but
1: it's kind of um women definitely it's not the women same. Yeah, yeah women of all identities definitely still experience oppression um but white women got most of these rights again after yes. fighting for them and rightfully you know rightfully so um a strong movement they're complicit in the problem we are complicit in the problem we as white women are complicit in the problem as well
0: like even thinking about when it comes to voting rights and early on feminism and now still with white feminism it's not intersectional and a lot of women were not fighting for um for women of color so and we'll get into that too but yeah
1: yeah, and that's what we'll be, yeah, that's what we'll be exploring over the next few mm-hmm. weeks through a social determinants series about how race, gender, sexuality, ability, and differing socioeconomic statuses interact with these social determinants of health. Yes. And um, let's, so let's let's get into it. Let's talk about racism being a public health issue.
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, I just think about a few examples and... A lot of it is explicit racism when it comes, like, early on and now still. And we'll have more examples about this, too. But a lot of initial testing was done on people of color and the black community. This is around the world and in our country. A lot of research is done mostly focused on white men and now white women, too. But so when you think about birth control, there was this this whole movement and it continues to be like, oh, why don't men take birth control? Oh, it's because the men birth control makes them tired and makes them upset. And it's like as a woman, you're like a woman, you're like, well, I mean, that's what periods do and that's what birth right. control does to us. So like right. what does that mean? But you know, there's a lot of burden put on women in the healthcare system, but to the layer that goes beyond it is it is on people of color and the black community as well because testing research signs of disease is not done with the black community in mind it's done with white men in mind um and i mean this week we saw um band-aids just put out band-aids that are for skin that is not white like Mm -hmm. are you kidding And again, that comes from a place of privilege of me saying, are you kidding? Like I've never noticed this because I'm white and that has benefited me. Um, And there have been other companies, black owned companies that have been doing this for years. Um, You know, there's brownages, there's true color. These are two companies that created bandages for other skin in mind other than white. And that's just, that's healthcare right there. I mean, think about having a bandaid that doesn't, make you feel comfortable. It doesn't make you feel human, honestly. Yeah. Um, Optum is a huge company in the United States. It is part of a Fortune 6 healthcare company, United Health Group, and they create, I mean, they create a lot of different technology for healthcare and um, practices, but they have algorithms that are attached to electronic health records that help physicians and hospitals track uh, health and track disease in patients and since test, since coding and testing, again, is done in mind, is done with white men in mind, and most people who are coding are either men or white men, um, it, this algorithm had implicit bias and had racial bias because it was not tested on, on the black community. And so, um, as an example, this, al- this health algorithm was used to assign risk scores in patients, and it gave the same risk level to the black community as white patients that were healthier. So let's say a black patient um, was more at risk for heart disease. Since this algorithm wasn't made with them in mind, they, it wasn't getting tracked. And let's say this person had a really, was getting, was not getting the treatment that they needed. How would they get the treatment that they need if this algorithm wasn't picking up on their ailments and that's scary and that's i know and that's an ongoing conversation a few states that have used this algorithm um, have filed lawsuits and this is an ongoing conversation but as ai as technology becomes in a more important part of healthcare, every community needs to be involved in testing and in the success of these products and we talk about it all the time with covid like Every time there's a pandemic or a global crisis, it comes with a lot of innovation. But this innovation has to keep people other than white men involved in, in that process. Recently, I actually saw
1: on Twitter, somebody was sharing a personal anecdote about how a family member um, believed they had COVID. And the, I think it was the um, 911 operator or someone that they were calling for help had said, call back if your face turns blue. Black people's mm-hmm. face do not turn blue if they cannot breathe. So that is just, again, implicit racial bias that has been, like, just become a part of the, uh, like, a go-to response to people not being able to breathe because of COVID-19. So it's yeah. something that's so built into the system and has to be dismantled, honestly, from the foundation up.
0: Exactly. And um again rachana can speak more about this because she is currently in medical school um, and is a woman of color and so i know she said it many times about how looking for signs of disease like lyme disease i feel like is this thing that everyone knows oh it looks like a bullseye
1: or a target
0: if you have it but it's only really going to show up like that in in lighter skin um so she will talk about that more uh, because she has that experience and is actually in medical school but i mean something that could be, I mean, lung disease is not a small disease. It's actually very um, impactful and harmful if you don't catch it. But if you don't catch it because you don't see it, I mean, that leads to paralysis. That leads right. to ongoing issues. And it's really because it only keeps it keeps the white population in mind when thinking about health communications in that aspect. And
1: that's why we're talking about that racism has to be dismantled in every single part of life because this is yes. just the example of healthcare. care and yeah. speaking of healthcare, care we do have a health policy update um christy you want to explain what just happened i believe it was two days ago
0: yes yeah, so and we'll talk about this when um we announce where our donation is going all of you participated in our you know likes fundraiser on instagram but we talk about identity as being intersectional, um, like intersectional feminism. And we've seen that when thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement, especially during Pride Month, um, many people identify as black and also part of the LGBTQI community. And for something like transgender health protection, being reversed by the Trump administration, that is just, uh, I don't know, I don't, it's just really disheartening during this time. Um, people are not, one, they're already not protected by the health system, but now this clear sex discrimination protection that was um, communicated in the Affordable Care Act, um, Roger Severino is saying that 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 doesn't encompass protections for transgender people. And that is not fair. I mean, we are talking about human rights issues right now, and especially when we're coming from a healthcare lens, every single person deserves healthcare and deserves to be treated as a human being. And if you are not being treated because you identify with the transgender community, if you identify with... As being gay, I mean the fact that healthcare professionals can turn you away—that is a human it's rights discrimination. issue. Discrimination. Um, yeah, it's discrimination, and it is. It's, it. And, you really have to think about this in terms of the election because. Yes. I don't know how you really could not think about it anymore. For this all to of these human rights violations happen. For this to happen on the anniversary of the
1: Pulse shooting, oh in which. So many people lost their lives to violence fueled by hate towards the LGBTQI plus community. Lives were lost. People were murdered. For this rule, um, which I quote, says that um, they were reversing something that was within the Affordable Care Act, that language that, exactly like Christy explained, made it where you cannot turn somebody away for, um, you cannot discriminate against um, a patient because of the way they identify, which says, um, which is defined as, this is from the, this is the Obama's administration's, um, language, male, female, neither, or a combination of male and female. So that covers non-binary folks, inter, uh, intersex folks, and people within the transgender community. Um... The Trump administration came and said, we're going back, this is a quote, we're going back to the plain meaning of those terms, which is based on biological sex, which is just for plain to be equated to normal, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm reading this as plain meaning normal. There is no normal. Sex is a spectrum. Gender is a spectrum. The two are not the same. Um, if, If that is... Like, I just, for me, that's, that's, that's plain. For me, the plain meaning of sex is that sex is fluid. For me, the plain meaning Mm -hmm. of gender is that gender is fluid.
0: I just don't understand why people think this could
1: still be debatable.
0: Exactly. And in our health disparities episode, our second episode of this podcast, we talked about the communities most impacted by COVID-19. The transgender community is part of that, part of being the most impacted. And now their health protections are are being reversed. So he is, this administration, and I can't only blame it on Trump because it is the entire administration and people right. who are not speaking up about this administration and people who do not see this as an issue, taking away healthcare rights during a global pandemic is... Uh, inhumane. I don't know. It's inhumane. It's, it's inhumane. And it adds to the problem. If you take care of every community in the country, then nobody gets sick. You know what I mean? Like if it's preventable, then nobody gets sick. It is an ongoing quote. You're only as healthy as your as the sickest person in your society. Yeah. And that has been seen with this pandemic. And this is just horrible. It's horrible. And if you're like not
1: angry about this, like we are, just take some time and think about why that is. It's not mm-hmm. even it's not even meant to be in a sarcastic way or a judgmental way. Like, seriously, take some time and think about yes. why somebody being turned away for how they identify doesn't make you angry, doesn't make you sad, doesn't make you want to fight for this change, um, to fight for rights for the LGBTQI community. During Pride Month, during the anniversary of one of the horrible largest tragedy. Yeah, horrible tragedy, largest human rights infringements in this country. I it's it's hard to wrap my brain around it because then we will hear in a few months about how this administration loves this community and does so many things for this community and will be gaslighting the human uh, for gaslighting the American people
0: into thinking I saw that. this amazing Yeah. Um I saw this amazing image. I think it was Claudia Salewski shared it or like made a comment about it. It was President Trump holding up um, a gay pride flag that said LGBTQ community loves Trump. And it's not the other way around. It doesn't say Trump loves that community. And I think that says a lot. That says it all right there. He wants to be loved by a community for votes, but when it comes to protecting them... Won't won't do it. Will actually take it away. Not It's not even just, right. like, an implicit, like, policy that's, like, oh. It's explicitly saying that. You have to show up. He doesn't value them. Um, yeah. So. And also, I mean, I don't... It's hard to say if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's good that now... That's what it comes down states to. and yeah. cities are declaring racism as a public health issue because, again, like we said at the beginning of this episode, racism is a public health issue, and there's data to back it up. There's lived experience. There's There are stories that people have been telling on and on again about this fact, but some people don't take it seriously until their government. I mean, people love the government and trust it so much, which is, I don't know. Interesting, in my opinion, but I feel like I'm getting a little too fired up now. But the fact that states and cities in the United States, and I, I, I haven't checked if it's around the world, but they have declared racism as a public health issue. So if you're not listening and haven't been listening, I really hope that you are listening now and realize and see how racism impacts people in more ways, in every single way of life so yeah and you know we're dealing with COVID-19 at the same time so yeah absolutely honestly I don't think you got
1: too fired up at all I think that was all very well said and very that anger is justified is very well justified um and again this episode was more of an introduction we did cover a few examples but unfortunately there are thousands upon thousands probably millions of examples that we haven't even touched upon um We're going to be exploring them within the next few weeks. And we just wanted to say that um, keep up the good fight, everybody. To all our allies out there who are listening to this and hear us, thank you for listening. Um, To our black community, we stand in solidarity with you. This conversation will never be silent again. And I apologize for my own... you know being complicit and waiting for convenient times i guess to talk about this because that is Mm -hmm. moving forward i make that pledge for that to never be the case again um black lives matter donate educate yourself and definitely show yourself some self-love it's yes I i think i mentioned this earlier but it's a it's not a sprint it is a marathon and we're all in this together to our LGBTQI+ plus community, again, we love you, we stand with you. To your lives matter. Our black, yes, to our black, to our black community members who identify within the LGBTQI+ plus community, we love you and we stand with you. Um, but everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. You can reach us on Instagram at the triage if you want to have a conversation with us about this episode in particular. We'd love to hear your feedback. If there's anything that we could say differently or explain differently it's about just having the conversation that's what it's all about and we would love to hear about how we can make this better how we can make us talking about this stronger how we can make talking about this um more uh just give us some feedback (laughs) that's basically what i'm trying to say is give us some feedback please and everybody have a
0: wonderful week thank you so much for listening